Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is the Paceline Tandem, a special episode of the podcast on two wheels. I'm co-host Celine Yeager, and my guest for this episode is Judy Lopresti, co-owner of Spun Bicycles in Cincinnati. Judy and I got to know each other about 10 years ago. I had just completed my Ironman journey in Kona, and she was ramping up to race Louisville, the same Ironman event that I qualified in. We were both blogging because blogging was a thing you did then, but hers was way more interesting than mine. It was called Miles and Madness, and in it she spoke very, very frankly about her lifelong struggles with addiction. Judy had battled heroin for about 10 years, basically living on the streets of San Francisco for a while, and at one point ended up in a coma. She finally detoxed for good in 1999, but she continued to wrestle with other addictions, smoking a lot of weed, sometimes abusing pain pills, for years afterwards. She turned to endurance events to calm the demons. Along the way, she met and fell in love with a man named Dominic, who had his own history with addiction in the form of scotch and crack cocaine. They got married at Interbike in 2010. Today, with the help of each other and their shared love for bikes, they're totally clean and sober. They opened Spun Bicycles in 2013 and spend their Sundays cooking healthy food for the week and getting out for rides as time allows. I caught up with her a few weeks ago to talk about her journey and where she is now. I hope you enjoy it. We've got to start with the news on Interbike, which, like me, you probably just learned yesterday, right? Right, yeah, uh, yeah. And you and Dominic got married there. How many years has it been? So we got married at Interbike in 2010. Wow, has it been that long? I know, right? I know, yeah. That's and crazy. That was, it was fun. Now it's probably... So I was like thinking back to we. I've been in a bike only twice, and once was in 2010, where we were not working in the industry, but um, you know Dominic was working, you know, here and there at our local bike shop, in addition to bartending, and we got passes, and uh, we had a blast. Like that was probably one of the most funnest trips I ever had. You know. Did you plan to get married? Oh yeah, that was okay, all okay. planned out. Okay. Yeah, I thought so, but I wanted, but yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like, um, like we were real chill. Um, I think it was in April before that where he was kind of like, we were just kind of hanging out, and he was like, "Hey, like I just want to be able to call you my wife," and I was like, "Okay, let's get married." <laughs> And, uh, so it's like no big deal. And I, uh, never wanted a big wedding. Neither one of us had been married before. So it was kind of like, how's the most painless way to do this? And, um, in a bike. I was like, oh, let's go to Vegas. Like, that would be so fun. We'll go to Vegas. Like, we'll go to Interbike. We'll see all our friends. And just, run into one of those chapels and, like, get married. 
And because um, I didn't want a big wedding, you know, yeah. it's already like, you know, his he's Italian, he's got a big family, and they were like, oh, you know, you can we can go to this park, you know, where his oh. dad has a condo, and oh, God. And by 250 people, <laughs> I, I couldn't handle it. I was like, I knew, you know, I wanted, I wanted it to be quick and painless and and just no big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, did you drag anybody into the chapel with you, or was it just the two of you? Okay, so I was back then. I was writing for Drunk Cyclist, and um, I hadn't met any of the guys from the site, and um, so. It was like over the summer we had just kind of we bought the plane and I was a travel agent so we got good deal. Oh. Like a, yeah, I was I was in corporate travel so we always oh, got I didn't know that. you know yeah we got um, a nice so the first two nights we stayed at um, near the near the outdoor demo so we stayed mm-hmm. in a little bed and breakfast up there and then um, the second two nights we were at the Venetian so. And I knew, like, I think we were out there, we got out there Sunday, we were at the demo, first thing Monday morning, and Tuesday morning, and then Wednesday we got married, and Thursday we left in the afternoon. Like, I remember every single day. It wow. was so much fun. And, you know, we weren't working in the industry, so we were just out there to have fun. And right. And just work out. Like, I had, you know, like, we showed up to the outdoor demo, and I was, it was, like, crazy. I get to ride all of these bikes, you know what I mean? It was bonkers. Wow. And, um, that was, it was so much fun. By the second day, Dominic had two broken ribs, and I had, <laughs> yeah, it was, like, he's reckless. Fruitland Canyon's no joke, man. How did, did it, what did he crash on? Um, the downhill course. So we decided the second day, the first day we rode all of the, like, just, we rode all the bikes that we could ride, as many as we could ride. We rode full suspension, like, I don't remember, we just were on the pump track, you know, we were riding um, road bikes and just whatever we want, you know, just whatever was, like, available. Yeah. And then the second day we just, we stayed at the Surly booth. We were at the Surly booth the whole second day, just hanging out. And, um, like, we were, I can't remember. What did I ride? I rode, uh, oh, my God. It was, uh, I can't even remember. It was a single speed. It was a rigid. I can't even remember what bike it was, but Dominic rode a fat bike. And so that was his first wow. time on a fat bike. You know, all, that was, like, there were so many fat bikes there that year in 2010, like Jeff Jones, um, just so many different ones. But he basically took over that fat bike, and uh, he rode the Pugsley. And then we climbed with uh, some of the drunk cyclist guys, and we climbed up and rode up to the top of the hill and then tried to come down. Mm-hmm. And... Neither one, like, I had never been mountain biking ever, you know. <laughs> I didn't even have a mountain bike back then. And, um, yeah, he took a bad spill. and On that up. bike? Uh-huh. And he, uh, um, yeah, busted up the bike pretty good. 
and um, wound up in the emergency tent. Like, they had the yeah. EMTs there, and they like, should really go to the hospital. I was like, oh, I'm getting married tomorrow, you know, like. <laughs> And both my knees, I remember my knees were all bandaged up, and, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was and you got fun. married the next day. The next day. That's the so next great. Day. Yeah, and we were at She's the... like, don't hug me too was, hard. Don't hug me too hard. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was bonkers. It was... I remember looking back at some of the pictures, and, like, both my knees were wrapped up, and, you know, he had scrapes all over, and... But, you know, it was, like, real simple. You know, it was no big deal. Um, we had a couple of friends from Cincinnati with us um, that happened to be going that year. And um, our bike shop owners and then two guys from Drunk Cyclists. So that was awesome. my wedding party. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Super chill. Um, I remember the indoor demo was awesome because Dominic got to meet some of the... Some of his, like, BMX heroes from the 80s. Oh, yeah. And, like, oh, Eddie Fiola, Ron Wilkerson. Like, back then, they were there, you know? And uh, we didn't do, we didn't, like, geek out too much on product. Because we were just out there to dork out and not work. You know what I mean? It wasn't work. It uh, It was just a fun time. And then that night... So then we got married in Old Vegas. <laughs> we oh, all wow. went to one of those old buffets in Old yep. Vegas. And then uh, went to the cross race. And that was my wedding night. Wow. And so were you yeah. bummed? I mean, you sad when you heard that it was no more? I mean, it was kind of writing was on the wall, but... Um. Well, we went, we went back as shop owners in 2013. Yeah. And it was like, oh, dream come true. Like, we own a shop. We get to go to Interbike. And uh, we didn't have as much fun. And I don't know if it was because we were there really. We were there really to work, you know. It's different when you're working. (laughs) Well, yeah. And it was was fun to see people. You and I actually almost met because it was at the cross race. And Dominic wanted to leave. We were sober. I was right. like, we were in the VIP, like, in the VIP area where, with Raleigh. Leo was Which is the worst place to be if you're sober. Well, and everyone was wasted. And Dom yep. was like, I'm going to get out of here. And Leo was like, just wait 10 more minutes. Leo's going to be here. And, uh, we just I'm missed like, each we, other. Like, by the time did. I got, because it's such a mission to get there. And by the time I got there, you had just left. It was like, ah. Oh. And you had, like, ridden from California or something. Yes. <laughs> I had ridden, I remember I had that. ridden from Salt Lake, from Salt Lake I to Vegas. I remember something crazy. With specialized. Yes, yes. That was, yes, because I was getting ready to race the Brazil ride with Rebecca Rush. So, um, that was an epic, epic journey from Salt Lake with Specialized. It was the last year they did that. But it was, in, Judy, it was amazing. It was so beautiful. Riding across I Utah know. was oh unbelievable. Yeah. Was bonkers. That, that was, was that's so funny. It was funny you remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... so so for us, it's kind of like losing a family reunion, right? But, like, do you, do you feel like it's, do you feel like it impacts your cut, like, the day-to-day people that you see? Like, I can't get my head around that. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, I don't think so. No. And I'll tell you, 
I mean, the reps that I do talk to, uh, they don't enjoy going. They dread it, you yeah. know? And it's, they would, this past year, in oh. September, a lot of our reps were like, we're not going, you know? And um, I see one rep, um, one of my reps on, on a regular basis, several times a year, and he just hates it. And I got to tell you, when we were there in 2013, I think that was one thing that bummed me out was that so many of the sales guys were just clearly not happy to be there. Yeah. And you would, we were there to work, like, like meet, like see new products and figure out, okay, well, do we want to bring this into the shop? Do we want to, mm-hmm. you know? And the salespeople just were not stoked to talk to you. And it was just kind of like, they were like, That's, yeah, it sucked. It was not, yeah. it was like everyone was super negative. And I remember sitting down to eat lunch. It was um, the indoor demo, and then they had that outdoor area where you could ride, yeah. and they had the crit out there. And then, mm-hmm. and I remember, like, we had to share a table and two guys came over because two seats there was nowhere to sit and we were eating lunch and these two guys came over from and they said well you know we're frame builders for moots and I was like oh how cool you know and they're like yeah we we've been coming here for 20 years and it sucks and it was just like well that sucks for you you have this awesome job you know what I mean and they were just clearly, it was, you know, day three, and they were burned out. And by the fourth day, I was like, all right, let's go home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, I, year after year. I swallowed it. It sucks. What do you guys think about CABDA? What do we think about what? CABDA, the Chicago area bike show that's now going to be in San Diego and Chicago. Oh, I don't I know. Cabda's been happening for a couple of years, and it's so close to me. I, I really should go, but I don't. Because uh, we go to the Philly Bike Show, because that's so close to me. And that saw record numbers this year. I think that a lot of these smaller shows are actually doing quite well. Um, I think and Sea Otter is still vital. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't yeah. know how the media, I don't know, Cabda is like, definitely, um, I want to go, I actually want to go this year, but then I was like, when am I going to Chicago? Then I'm like, he doesn't travel well, get out of his routine, he doesn't like it. But, I don't know, I think, uh, you know, if Interbike can make, the one thing I think I noticed the most was that with Interbike, it wasn't very affordable, I mean, it was so expensive for a vendor to be there. Well, that and that's mm-hmm. a huge part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think something will shake out, and these smaller shows will continue. You know, the Handmade Bicycle Show does well. The Silly Show, it, you know, it'll all it'll all shake out. I was just curious, like you were, as, as someone, because I've, you know, on that side of it, I obviously know it from the media side, and I see it from the consumer side. But it's, uh, you know, it'll be what it's going to be. Yeah, and I think, uh, like, for me, I'm very happy to have my memories from my wedding and right. going back as a shop owner, and it is what it is. I mean, our industry is changing a lot, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah. And we'll touch on that. Like I want to, I want to go back while we're while we're talking about those days. I want to sort of backtrack a little bit for for our audience because I came to know you through Miles and Madness. Like that's when I first, <laughs> when I first became. I was training for Iron Man at that time, right? Like two thousand. Yeah. Like those two thousand eight is when I did Kona. So like you kind of came into my universe, you know, through that, all the whole blogosphere about endurance athletes and through Leah, you know, who's an editor at Bicycling. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So let's, so talk a little bit, like, what, what compelled you to do Miles and Madness? And, you know, how did, how did that all fit into your, your picture, like endurance sports and moving into a positive dire- direction after you quit heroin, but then as you made clear to me, you had not yet quit everything at that point. Right, right, right. So, uh, okay, so in 2007, I did my first marathon, and I had been reading blogs on with that one marathon runners. You know, I had a corporate job, and on my downtime, I would talk, I would read these blogs, and people training for their first marathon, and I was like, oh, I'll start my own blog. And it, you know, it just kind of, I just kind of started writing. I didn't expect anyone to ever read it. And in 2008, like, it was just more of a, like, a documentation of training. And then little by little, I started going to my path. You know what I mean? And yeah, then yeah. I started getting regular readers and then... I don't even know. I joined Facebook late in 2008, so, like, I wasn't even on social media. It was, like, this blog that I did, and um, it was fun because I had the time. I did it all on the clock. I was getting paid, you know, to do corporate travel, and in between phone calls, I would mess around on this blog. Mm-hmm. So, I had a... Lot of stuff I put out there, and uh, it felt good to get it out and kind of, um, I don't know, it was more of a diary, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a spill your guts type of thing, but to no one in particular, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, it's, I didn't care if anyone read it, didn't that, Right. But that then people respect. did. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was it was fun, but uh, when it, when we opened the business, I put I I put this done like we're gonna put this on hide. We're not gonna delete it, right? And uh, so it it was fun, and sometimes it was fun to just kind of um, talk about things that were going on in my own life that I didn't really have anyone specific to talk to. I was. Uh, I was with Dominic, and um, we met in 2007, but we did go through a couple of big breakups that first couple of years. I don't know. It's kind of, it's cool, though, the way, I mean, I have friends from Miles and Madness that I am still in touch with, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of cool. And some I've met, you know, and some I haven't. And some of those people will call the shop when we get hoodies in and they want spun hoodies or spun socks. And that's super bad. So how did, like, what was the role of cycling? So you started 
The first, first okay. thing you did was run a marathon. Like, we're, we're, you, you hear a lot, and, and you're, you're a very, you're, you're actually the source of this, of, of validity for all this stuff that I hear. I hear a lot of people, and I read a lot about people saying, oh, well, you know, like, for, for quitting addiction or for, you know, getting clean or any of that stuff, you know, they, a lot, a lot of people come to endurance sports. So there's a lot of former users who are ultra marathoners and et cetera, et cetera. Is that, was that your path? I mean, were you looking for this thing to help you stay in the direction that you were moving? Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, the bike, the bike's always been there for me. So, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I didn't have, you know, I always had a bike in San Francisco, even using drugs and had a bike in halfway house, like, got, you know, in sober living. I didn't have a car. I didn't have my license. And then, um, and when I turned 30, got my license and gave up the bike for about seven years. And then it was when I was training for that marathon that I got a bike. And off Craigslist, it was like a $60 um, old mountain bike from the 90s. It was a giant. Um, it weighed about 33 pounds. And I did, <laughs> you know, uh, and back then, yeah, I was, I didn't, um, I was I had been off of drugs since October of ninety nine is when I put down when I kicked the last time heroin and I I really didn't do a lot of drinking and smoking weed too much, but I but I was not working a program. And I think um a lot of people like I know a lot of people who they they actually so addicts and alcoholics we basically do everything to the extreme. At least I did personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, I can do a triathlon. I can do an Olympic distance triathlon. Why not? You know, train for an Ironman. Go all the way. You know what I mean? And right. I went all the way there with my my addiction as well. And I think that um, like the the endurance. Like I I kept putting off what I needed to get done, which was actually sit down with someone in a 12-step program and work the steps and figure out why. Like I could keep putting, mm. I could keep doing all these endurance sports, but was I fixing myself? No. Right. I was just kind of putting it off, you know, and I was. It would feel good. Oh, we'll go out and run 14 miles, or go ride my bike 100 miles, and come home. And um, I don't know, there was a documentary on um, that race across America. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I remember, like, hearing, maybe it was a they interviewed Lance Armstrong, and he said, and athletes are searching for something. They're yeah. soul searching. And I thought, he is right. Like, and I'm, I'm out there, and I'm, you know, even after Iron Man, it was like the next year I signed up for a 12-hour time trial, you know? <laughs> so I had something to focus on. It's awful. It was like the worst day of my life. That sounds terrible. It was awful. And then the next year... On the road? On the road. It was a 50-mile loop. And it was oh, my time. God. And there was a torrential thunderstorm, and I threw up, and I cried, and I kicked <laughs> the car, and, Oh my gosh, it was the worst day. I was like, I didn't sign up for this. It was the worst day. 
And, uh, I mean, after that, 2011 was Mohican. Oh, hey, I oh, okay. start mountain biking. Why don't I try and do 100 miles? 100 miles. <laughs> okay, so I signed up for that. Um, and by then, I was, um, in, it was March of 2011, and I started going to meetings. And I found my people uh, in the program that were going to help me work through my past, you know, and that was when I didn't feel the need to go out and do all these long miles, but I kept doing it. I kept, but once I kind of worked out my past and figured out why I became a junkie, you know, mm-hmm. why I was so angry, I started to feel more peace, you know, hmm. and uh, and I I definitely feel like there's a lot of people out there who can just quit using, and I think that's okay for some people, but I also think that it's quite possible they'll drink again or use again if they right. don't figure out, especially, I mean, when you, you know, when you... When you use to the effect that I use, like, there was a reason, you know what I mean? And I had to really, I had to make amends and kind of become more at peace with me and the people that I was angry at, you know, and figure out what my part was and all of that. So, yeah, that's how it is. It is. It is. I've been thinking about this a lot because I know a lot of people... I know a lot of people who quit drinking, but they're still, like, really pissed off. And they're still, yeah. like, so a lot of those people who just... Because they're, like, dry drunks, they call them, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And you can go out and be an ultra runner and do all these crazy races. And and if that keeps you sober, that's great. You know? It's, it's really about the individual. And I mm-hmm. knew... I had a lot of stuff inside me that I needed to get out. And once I got it out, and it was all kind of spelled out for me, and I had it written down in the book, like I had a little journal I had to go through and write all this stuff down, and it was a lot of work. So well, you started your, this journey when you were a teenager, right? That's a, that's a lot of time to, to go oh back gosh, to. Was, yeah. I was uh I was probably eleven or twelve when I took my first drink and the first time I was ever drunk when I was thirteen. So yeah. Yeah. And a lot you know, there was a lot a lot that went into that, you know. Um but it, there was a lot of stuff I was angry about, you know, and a lot of stuff that I needed to do. It's work through, and you got to continue working on that. Because when you're an addict, you're very selfish. Um, and I, I personally, me, like when I was an endurance athlete, I was so self-centered and consumed with myself. I didn't really mm-hmm. care about. I was like, okay, I'm gonna wake up at seven, and I'm gonna go. I'll be gone like all day, and you know, my husband kind of put up with it, and my but like. 
guy can remember my mom. You know, she's old. She need my help. Around the house, I was like, well, God damn it, I have a 15-mile run on the schedule. How the hell do you want me to come all the way out there? And I was just so, I was very selfish. Yeah. And um, it, I just, I don't know. I just Iron Man necessitates that level of selfishness, um, and I did it too, um, you know, when I was, but then I I left it because of that. Like, it, it was too too much. <laughs> I was just like, it's like, okay, I can't, I can't be that. I cannot let that become me. Like that was, okay, that was okay to pursue this goal, but now I have to like figure something else out. Yeah. And it's nice to have, it's nice to have an event to focus on. You know what yeah. I mean? It really is. If you have the time to do it, I can remember you and I having this conversation. Like we had a little couple messages when I first yeah. opened the shop and you were like, oh, I'd love to open my own shop. And I was like, well, if you do, forget about Get it all <laughs> um, we, we decided yeah. to have, uh, put on events instead. Like that was the that 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 was what that was what Dave and that was more about Dave than me. And I don't want to make this conversation about us. But going back to that conversation when we were talking about it, um, Dave really what the heart of that is he wanted to put on cycling events and he figured out how to do that. So that's been going super well. But I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, that's your insight. Good. Yeah. 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 So the bike. So are there any comparisons, like when you're getting, and and I, this is really just my own super curiosity. Like so, I mean, I know I my my, my experience with drugs is kind of limited. I'm I don't smoke weed well. I don't like how it makes me feel. Um, yeah. I don't. I I would never say that when I'm when I get that zone or that great feeling when I'm riding that it's anything like that. It might be a little bit like being buzzed, but the after effect I feel is the same. Like, that's just sort of, like, bliss, right? Like, there's a blissed outness that you get when you tap yourself out in an endurance sport. That is Absolutely. It, yeah, is that comparable to the using any of the, the drugs like you're talking about? Well, it's completely different. Okay. It's a completely different feeling. And, I mean, honestly, like, uh... Like, the first marathon I ran gave me the most confidence I've, I ever had since before addiction, you know? And, um, I mean, I was in a horrible, messed up relationship for nine years. And I swear to God, three days after I finished that marathon, I finally had the balls to kick him out. That's awesome. You know what I mean? No, that's yeah. right. Right. And quit the job that I hated. And you start wow. doing, yeah, like I found, I found this confidence that I never, you know, I didn't have for forever and ever. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it feels so good to go out. For me now, like, I'm completely, I feel so happy to go out and do a 50-mile bike ride. Like, that makes right. me, like, I come back and I'm caught. And so, I mean, it's, and I feel good, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I sit down and eat a healthy meal, and I guess I, I, it might not be like anything crazy fast, or but yeah, yeah, it, I still feel good, and I I don't know. So I guess there's it's a little it's a little like the same feeling, but um, yeah, a lot different. It's I don't know when you when you put down the drugs and go out. Like I know a lot of people that are called. They'll become bodybuilders. They'll become 
you know, endurance that like there was like this um group of people called Race for Recovery. Yes. I looked into okay. joining them. If you've ever looked them up, this is back in two thousand and seven. Like I was so against going into a twelve step program. I was adamant that I could stay sober or or at least semi sober and there was this big group of people, and they were bonkers. They go out and do, like, triple Ironman. Like, what is that one, like, wow. Ironman event? It's like a three-day event. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know, I mean, know who's done it. I started thinking, like, these guys are crazy. Like, are they ever going to be satisfied? Right. Right. You know? So, I don't know. It's It's a different feeling. I would say, for me, it was different. Like, I don't know. So do you think that makes sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes, it makes total sense. And I, I'm, I'm just tangentially curious. I, I want to talk about the bike shop next. Okay. But before we get there, I, I, I am curious only because the current addiction opioid situation dominates our news cycle right now. And I can't help mm. but to think, like, is it, in your view, is it, is it very different now from like 15 years ago when oh, you were deep God. in it? Or has, or when I was it... deep in it, uh, so when I was in it, it was very hard to find. Now it's everywhere. Everywhere. Really? Yeah. Like you, I, I will, even in my house right now, there's, you know, dealers a block away. I mean, even in this nice neighborhood, you know, and like it's everywhere. And the fentanyl, is uh, pretty scary because, I mean, there's there's even been, like, just guys who like to do a little coke on the weekends once or twice a month that have OD'd because it's laced with fentanyl. Oh, boy. And, like, these aren't junkies by any means. Right. These are, these are, like, really nice guys. You know what I mean? That just want to do a bump here and there or whatever, and that's fine if that's the way they want to party. But, like, they're finding fentanyl in pot. Um, it wow. Is, yeah, like, that's in the 90s when, or lady in the, in the early 90s, if I was here in Cincinnati, it was very hard to find. It was mm-hmm. very hard to find. It was like we would have to drive to date or settle for pills, or, and that was why I spent so much time in San Francisco because it was everywhere. Right. right. And I was like, oh, we're all going, everybody wants San Francisco. It's like drugs are way, there's so much more drugs out here. And now, I mean, we see it, and we see it everywhere. I mean, you just see these, almost, you can just tell, you know, we keep Narcan in the shop. You keep what in the shop? Narcan, it's what they use to revive. Oh, right, right. So I have, I actually have two doses of Narcan in my office because people are just too often like flies all over the place. And if they happen, well, we had one girl drop dead, like she didn't drop dead, but she overdosed right up the street. You know, one morning, EMTs, it's constant, you know, just, it's really bad. And the, the good thing is that there's federal money out there, you know, to try to help these people. Right. Wow. Right. We get a lot of people 
you know me and Dominic are both sober, I'd come to the shop and ask for help. And, yep. Yeah. So we see it. It's all, it's all over. It's way, way worse than it ever was back, you know, in the yeah. 80s and 90s. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. That, yeah, that is I mean, that's that's the first time. I just wasn't sure if the attention was there, but you've made it clear that it is actually, um, that we are as deep into it as, as it appears that we are. It, I don't know. Like, I always think about the downfall of civilization and, like, I mean, the cops, they can't keep up with as much crime as yeah. going on. You know what I mean? Everyone gets their stuff stolen off their porch. You know, we got, at our shop, we've got, you know, big iron cleats on the windows. And, you know, no one's coming in there. We have, you know, but we we are ready if they do. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's a little, it's, it's crime is just so much worse now. Yeah, and yeah. They, just, they don't have the staff to keep up. So let's, let's, uh. Let's talk about the shop, that, that, because, I mean, you're, you're, you're presenting challenges that I wasn't even thinking of when I was going to ask you about opening a bike shop. But, you know, you opened your bike shop, Fun Bicycles, Cincinnati, 2013, right? Yep, um, February. Not the easiest way to make a living. Uh, what, what, like, what was your vision? What, what, what did you guys want to build? Okay, so Dominic and I both agreed um, we kind of wanted to bring back a bike shop from his childhood. Um, the way he felt when he went into a bike shop in 1983 or 84, okay. you know. And um, we basically did the exact opposite of what every shop locally was doing, you know. Um, we decided to put a big TV on the wall, you know, a big stereo system. We had... Uh, Dominic built this fantastic skateboard bench. Um, we wanted to make it a destination. We put, um, we have stools out so people can come in and hang out or sit on the skateboard bench, watch, you know, a movie. Um, we wanted, we put the tooling area right in front so when you walk in the door, the first person you see is Dominic. Right. Instead of having the mechanics in the back. Um, right. We made it we have this really cool space in a Masonic, old Masonic temple um, built in 1889. Wow. So we have this, yeah, we're only the second business to occupy the storefront. Um, it was a post office from the time the building was built until about 10 years ago. And then the post office <clears throat> moved out and the building got sold to this really super cool lady and uh, she was real particular about who was going to rent the space so we found it's not big it's a thousand square feet and uh, it's everyone who comes in it's just like this super cool laid back vibe you know what I mean and mm -hmm. um, it's very industrial Dominic has um, built all the displays uh, there's nothing cookie cutter about it at all. Uh, he he built everything in there. Um, it's crazy. Uh, there's 
you know, we, our logo stands out. Um, it's a big stall, you know, with a wheel. Like, we met with our branding guy. Like, we kind of, we went online and, like, printed out all these pictures of cool things, like skulls and wheels on fire. <laughs> all this kind of stuff. And, like, Dominic wrote a list of all the things that the shop wasn't going to be. And then all of the things that, the sh- that he wanted the shop to be. And they created our brand with that. And, uh, yeah, so when we opened the shop, we wanted to do BMX, of course. And we wanted to really cater to the commuter. And um, our neighborhood has a lot of commuters who don't use cars. Mm-hmm. We have plenty of race shops in the city. And, um so we don't see a ton of racers. We do see some. Um, but most of the racers go to their sponsored shops. Right. Um, we do um, a little bit of everything. So you might see in the season, like, you might see uh, a roadie in there with, you know, a very high-end road bike and they have a bottom bracket issue or, you know, and Mm -hmm. then there might be, like, some, like, you know, dummy BMS right there and getting, you know, a new tire or So, like, we see it's very diverse. And there's so many flavors of bicyclists out there. Yes. You know what I mean? There's so many. You know, you might, you get, we get collectors who just collect, you know, Vintage BMX is a big thing now. Oh, okay. Um, oh, my gosh. All these guys in their 40s, they, like, lust after the bikes that they had in 1987. Yep. So we see a lot of those guys um, in our off-season. We do restorations, which was something Dominic's always done since I met him. He's always, you know, taken an old train and put new parts on it and, uh, He's always done that for members of his family. So that kind of continued. And uh, we do a lot of wheels and a lot of customs. So we have a... I think our shop is um, starting to become very niche. Like, there's a a lot of niche. Like, everybody has... Like, there's one shop in the city that does... um, He's who you go to if you want a pro race fit. Like, that's his brain. Right. You know what I mean? You have this other shop over here who's doing, you know, whatever, like race bikes um, out of the box. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dominic is kind of like an artist where he can um, design and build the most beautiful bike, you know, and every mm-hmm. detail is very well thought out. So we've kind of evolved in that sense. Um, by the second year, he was lacing so many wheels that he finally just kind of stomped his feet and said, I'm not lacing any more wheels until I get a fill with spoke machine. So <laughs> we got a spoke machine. He's got a whole area where he just laces wheels. So he's got, you know, the spoke machine, yeah. all his, yeah, all his little tools, all his um, measurements, he's got a book, um, with a lot of hubs and rims that he uses so he can calculate. We have tons and tons to buy so many spokes. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of evolved into something really cool and different. 
Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think that's, I think when you look at where everything is going, that's yeah. important, right? Because it's different and that stands out. And that's not something that I can go uh, onto Amazon and just one click uh, and have the right and delivered. I think that as things become more, you know, internet guys, yeah. for lack of a better word, I think I think that's important. I think that 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 hands-on, somebody touched this, somebody made this. This is a human. Yeah, is even more important than it than it's ever been, honestly. And honestly, like, there's a lot of people out there that just want. They might have a part, and they want it installed, and they might have gotten it online, and that's always been the case since we opened. I mean, yeah. we've always especially with, like, the BMXers. Like, they just drag in, like, this box full of parts that they buy <laughs> online and they're like, can you build the bike? And for me, it's, like, totally fine. We can do that. And we get 100%, you know, yeah. Yeah. profit. And that's fine. I didn't have to deal with ordering all those parts. Yeah, service is everything. Services and customer service, service with the smile. I mean, right. it's, it's what... it's it's really what's going to make or break you. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah, Dominic yeah. is, is very, and we're honest with people. If somebody wants, if there's a knowledgeable writer in the shop and they're talking about doing an upgrade, if Dominic can say, hey man, if you can get that online, just go ahead and get it, bring it in and I'll sell yeah. it. Like it's no big deal. For us, yeah. it's not a big deal. It's like, we would rather have you come back later and get a custom set of wheels. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, kind of like, so we just, it's just something you got to deal with. And that's, it sucks sometimes, you know, but it's, what it's just, it is, it's going to make or break us. So I just feel yeah. like, we just got to fight to go with it, you know? <laughs> totally. So, so yeah. now how is your life, you know, we, we've sort of trans gone through it and it's probably good that you are satisfied with less riding because I imagine you do less riding, right? Because now you own, you've built this thing. And that's the irony of owning a shop is you actually have less time, generally speaking, to ride a bike. Um, I, you know, I, I see your Instagram. It's filled with, like, you in the gym and your food prep Sunday where you're, like, telling us all about you and Dominic cooking up your meatballs with the oats and the chicken and the orange roughy. Like, so what? what is, like, what does the life look like now to, like, stay fit and, you know, with all this going on? Well, the first, the first few years we were, we had the shop open, we always had mechanics. So we would have... Oh, okay. Yeah, when we opened the shop, our buddy John, he's a frame builder. John, John is awesome. He helped with the build. Um, John was with us the first couple of years. Oh, not every day. Um, he was starting his frame building business, but we had John, we had a mechanic here, a mechanic there. So I would be like, well, I'm coming in at 12 because I'm going to go <laughs> ride my mountain bike, you know. And and then the last two years, I just kind of, um, Dominic and I have been running the show alone. Like, we, we lost our mechanic that had been with us two years. He just kind of lost the scope, and uh, it was fine. So Dominic was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to do every single repair that comes in there. Wow. And then we use we still use John in um during the busy season. John mm-hmm. comes in and builds all the new bikes. But Dominic is adamant that he wants to do every single repair and sometimes that could be hundred and twenty bikes a month. 
Wow. And um, I know. And but he is like he's the man. He can like he's he's very thorough. He's very efficient. And um, so the last two seasons, like I haven't had the time, so I had to really, I had to really kind of figure out. Okay, how am I going to space it? Like I have this this one this one hour window in the morning. Right. Now I get up, take care of the dogs, um, run to the gym, and. I had put on, in 2015, our business was so busy. We were under so much stress. And, like, I was stress-eating and stress-eating. We were taking BMX shows, doing events every weekend. And, um, it was just bonkers. I, and I was so stressed out. I mean, I was, like, eating junk food and running up to this little store by, like, Fritos and hiding up to Dominic is always oh. being healthy. Right. Oh, yeah. I was just, like... How it's just food and candy and peanut butter. Um, so by December of 2016, I mean, I just sat down and I was like, okay, my pants are tight and like, I don't feel good about myself. I, I was being tagged in pictures and I was like, do I look like that? Right. And, that's uh, so, funny. so I, I went in the bathroom and I took off my shirt and I made them take a picture of me from behind and, uh, I was like, oh, my God, went that, like, bad podcast. It's, like, so <laughs> freaked out. And he uh, he started prepping all my food and telling me what I was going to eat, when, and what to do in the gym. And then I had um, Fridays off. I always have Fridays off at the shop and Sundays. So if I wanted to ride, I was going to ride on Friday. And... Um, he built me up this really gorgeous, light, um, beautiful road bike. And I had been mountain biking a lot the last, you know, the previous mm-hmm. few years. And I had a dirt jumper. I'm not even burning calories, like going to the pump track. Right, right. And, um, well, I mean, I was having fun, but I was like, oh. So uh, I started putting in a lot of more road miles. And I did my first century that year uh, I hadn't had a century since before the shop, so I was like, oh, we'll do century this year, and it's like, started, um, I dropped uh, about 25 pounds, and got super lean, and now we just kind of, so now I just really cherish my time on the bike, like, it's, like more, it's more of a treat, you know, right. now, like, oh, I'll schedule this day, and you know, we might, like, this summer, well, this fall, we went to Brown County, which is such a treat. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive with the whole day thing. Yeah. And uh, I did get it. I did on bike this year, and I, like, I literally got to ride it five times. But those five times were amazing. You know right. what I mean? And I right. really, I don't take it for granted like I used to, you know. Like, I, I consider my time on the bike a treat and not you know, torture. And right. Even on, and, but if it's, you know, if it's Tuesday and Thursday and I'm supposed to be in the gym, then it doesn't matter if it's 80 degrees and sunny. I'm in the gym doing my, my, my workouts, you right. know, and then maybe I'll ride to work. And I always ride, I commute sometimes, it's in the car, um, but I do get to commute, and then there's one day a week where I have to run a bunch of errands downtown, and I, I never want to drive down there, so I always, you know, I ride, and 
invite certain bike ones. I lead a, uh, a city hill climb. They pick like six or seven like uh-huh. ridiculous hills and take a bunch of people out on that. And, you know, I just, I cherish the time on the bike and I'm very selfish. And when I have a four hour window and I get to ride, I'm super grateful, you know, but I also feel very good, um, about eating late and, you know, it's a control thing. Like, I can, Dominic loves to cook. You know, he loves it. It's one of the ways yeah, he can, awesome. he, he just, he, it relaxes him. So every night, you know, he comes home and he cooks and on the weekends we prep meals and he does, he does some food prep a little bit during the week, like midweek, um, just shove a bunch of fish in the oven, yep. sweet potatoes and, we uh we kind of dork out on it. Most of the time, we'll be packing. It's like, what do I need to buy at the store? What are we going to eat tonight? Um, it's it's kind of cool. It's simple life, you know. Simple. That's great. That's yeah. I think that's a great that's a great message to just sort of wrap this up on because I like that. Like it, it feels like you you guys have. Not not taking an easy road, but you figured it out uh, a good road, and in the end, it's a, a, a kind of simple road. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we're gonna argue about how many tea bags to put in, <laughs> in the when we make sun tea in the summer. Right. I'm like, oh, you don't need that much caffeine. Or, you know, that's awesome. It is. It's, it's quite simple and boring. But I'm super happy, and and mostly I'm at peace, you know. And I think that at my age, you know, it's nice. It's nice, and to be oh, healthy boy. and fit and strong, and I'm I'm definitely in a very good place. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Mm. Um, yeah. it's, it's wonderful, and uh, I have to come out and see your shop sometime. You have to. It's not. We're not that far away from each other. We have been. I know. We've been. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Celine. Thank you, and yeah, I mean that. Like, I, I definitely want to come out and uh, and make that a priority. It'd be awesome. You should probably come out and do Mohican some year. I think you would love it. It's, yeah. It would be. It's a beautiful day on the bike. That's a wrap for this show. I want to thank Judy for joining me on the Paceline Tandem. You can learn more about Judy and Dominic and their shop at spunbicycles.com. Also check out the show notes at redkiteprayer.com for a link to a great story on Judy and Dominic that appeared a few years back on bicycling. Just grab a tissue because it's a bit of a tearjerker. Until next week, I'm Celine Yeager, inviting you all to enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to the Paceline.